I'm Carson Horn, and it's Monday at 10, which means it's time for Talking Tumors on Weagle 91.1. So grab your toilet paper and let's get rolling. This show may not exist by the time it happens, but one day Auburn football will once again have a competent offense. Welcome in. It is this Monday morning at 10 a.m. This is Talking Tumors. Wow, do we have a lot to talk about. As always, has been the theme over these last couple years. We've got plenty to talk about when we recap games. We're going to recap this LSU game. We're going to talk about what in the world is going on with Auburn's offense, try to provide some answers, try to provide some insight. Then we'll turn the page to Ole Miss, and I'll preview that game, break down what Auburn's chances are there, and then we'll go into some predictions around college football in general. Yes, we are going to spend plenty of time talking about Auburn football on today's show. It's going to fill up the majority of the time that we have, so why waste any more? Let's dive in now. Auburn lost to LSU 48-18 to in Baton Rouge on Saturday night. It was a beatdown. It was a whooping. Point blank, there's no other way to put it. This is the first true whooping that this Auburn team has taken so far this season. Yes, A&M won handily, but it wasn't a beatdown. Auburn had a chance still late in that game. They didn't have a chance in the second half against LSU. It was a brutal start for Auburn, a super hot start for LSU. Before you could blink, LSU was up 17 to nothing. They were up 17 to nothing at the end of the first quarter. And remember, Auburn was coming off a bye week. When you're coming off a bye week, you're supposed to have your best game plan in. You're supposed to come out with a fast start. You're rested up. You're feeling good. That didn't happen. It didn't happen on defense. It didn't happen on offense. There were penalties early on in the game for Auburn's offense that pushed them back. But don't worry, we're going to go into a full breakdown coming up just a second on this offense. The defense played better in the second quarter. I mentioned LSU got off to a very quick start. The defense played better in the second quarter, had the interception of Jaden Daniels, gave the offense a chance to only be down a touchdown at half. But it didn't happen. The offense wasn't able to put it in the end zone. But besides that, it was just an all-around whooping for this Auburn team. Nobody really played well defense. I mentioned that as well as this defense has been playing, I said eventually they're, they're, they're going to have a tough game. And LSU is one of the best offenses in college football. They're, you look at the Pac-12 this year, and that's where everyone talks about you know some, your top offenses being, and I would agree. But LSU's right up there with the best of the best in the country. Jaden Daniels is absolutely in the Heisman conversation, and he should be. They had 583 total yards of offense on, on Saturday. It, it was tough for this defense to stop. I'm not going to talk about them much or harp on the, this defense uh, this defense much. They just played a better offense. That was that was LSU. They I was interested to see the matchups with Malik Neighbors. I mentioned that in Auburn's secondary uh, I think Neighbors got the best of him on Saturday. He's a phenomenal player. But in the end, I, I again, I'm not going to harp on this defense. They played well. They have done everything that they can to keep Auburn in games, and it's been the reason that Auburn's been able to win some of the games. You think back to the, to the Cal game. So I, I'm not going to harp on them too much. 
yes, they need to play better. Yes, there's plenty of things they can fix. But in the end, they just played a really good offense in LSU on the road. It, it was going to be a tough matchup. We knew that. If you listened to last week's show, you knew that I didn't like this matchup at all for Auburn. And we pretty much got what what I expected. It was to a greater extent. I did expect a little bit better offensively. I did think LSU would win, and it would be right around what the line was. So it was more than that. It was about double. It was over double the line, being a 30-point loss. But I knew the matchups were not favorable for the Tigers. But before we dive into the the offense in this game as a whole, let, let's go ahead and talk about some positives. You think, well, there's there's no positives you could take from this game. Maybe there were a few. I would say Auburn yet again won the turnover battle. That that is one of the keys that you talk about when you're trying to pull off the upset, when you're trying to win on the road. So uh, winning the turnover battle was big for, uh, will be big for Auburn. Was not big this week. It didn't matter. But that is a positive. Had less penalties in LSU. Again, I mentioned starting off the game, the penalties uh, on offense were detrimental to trying to get anything going when you're already struggling. But did have less penalties in the end, so did play a cleaner game. There have been some holding calls. Uh, I don't know. I think Hugh Freeze have been frustrated. That is something they'll have to address. That's really all I've got for po- for positives um, from the game. Not much, but I did want to hit on a few things that that stood out to me when watching this game. Point blank, though Auburn did not execute to a high enough level to pull off the upset and win this game. I mentioned turnovers, did did win the turnover battle, but didn't execute the game plan the fact that time possession was 34-13 to 25-47 in LSU's advantage. That's too good of an offense. Auburn was going to have to win the time possession, and they did not. They couldn't run the ball consistently well. Uh, and again, as I mentioned, LSU had a 563 yards uh, of offense. So you're not going to win many games like that. You're especially not going to pull off an upset like that. But what was the deal with the offense? As I as I said at the start, Auburn was coming off a of bye week. You have plenty of time to game plan. You have fin- plenty of time to look at your identity and figure out your identity of the team. What what do we do well offensively? What do we do well defensively? Special teams. Okay, you had a chance to reevaluate. How do I get, if you're Hugh Freeze, you're asking, how do I get this team to perform at its highest level based on its strengths and its weaknesses? I'm not sure the coaching staff was able to do that. However, I didn't have a problem with the play calling offensively, when I look back at this game, I, I rewatched this game. I wasn't able to watch it super closely live, so I went back and I rewatched it, and I, and I looked at the play calling, and I didn't dislike it. I couldn't be frustrated with it, just in general. But when you look at what the strengths of this team are offensively, that's running the football. You know you can't pass well. You really can't throw downfield well at all. the The only strength offensively is your running game. So when you think about it that way, it's like, okay, while I didn't have a problem with the play calling and I thought there were some uh, good plays called in this game for Auburn, was it to the strength of your team? And that's the question I think Hugh Freeze and Philip Montgomery have to ask themselves because they, right now, do not have the players. The players are not executing at a high enough level to run this system. That That's just the truth. And 
you can point the blame wherever you want to for for them not having the players and you know for the recruiting how it was in the past. But you can also point some blame to Hugh Freeze and Philip Montgomery for you know maybe maybe missing on some players in the transfer portal that could have better fit this system to put you in a better chance to see. Maybe that was maybe you should have gotten a, a different quarterback. Maybe that was some playmakers at wide receiver. Those are all things that they have to answer for. All I can say is that it's not working. The system that they want to run is not working with the players on the roster. And, again, I think that comes down to just the, the players are not good enough for for this system because Hugh Freeze and Philip Montgomery both want to push the ball down the field in the passing game. This team cannot do that. It's not just Peyton Thorne. It's not just the receivers. It's not just the offensive line. It's a mix of all three. They don't mix well together to be able to have success doing that. So Hugh Freeze and Phil Montgomery are left with the option of, okay, what do we do? Do we continue to run this offense and say, look, this is our system. We are building towards the future, so we're not going to change our system to what the strengths of this team are. Like, yes, we'll, we'll, we'll maybe call some more running plays, but this is still what we're going to do. Or they say, okay, we want to run this. We want this to be our system, but this year we don't have the players to do this. We're going to have to adjust. And we're, we're going to have to scheme more to what our strengths are. I know a lot of people were pointing back towards last season, in the last season with, with the Cadillac and the interim period and what Will Friend did. And that was really what, what this team decided. Like, look, we know we're not going to be able to throw the ball. We're just going to go full out. We're just going to run it. And that, that's going to be our strength. And we'll, we'll live and die by the rushing attack. And I, I certainly get the argument for that. I'm not saying I would go completely all all out on that, but I certainly get your argument if you want to go with that. I'm not qualified. I'm not getting paid any. I'm not I, to to be able to be in a position to say what Hugh Freeze and Philip Montgomery should do offensively. All that I can do sitting sitting in this chair in front of this microphone is to tell you what you already know and. That's the offense is not good, and that we know what the strength is. Hugh Freeze knows what the strength is. Is the strength, if there is one, of the offense is running the football. I didn't think this Auburn ran the ball consistently well against LSU, but they did average 4.1 yards per rush, which is really good. And going into this game, Auburn was second in the SEC in uh, rush yard average rush yards per game. So there is there is a a strength there. Again, it's it's not going to be easy when when you're not good, which is the case with this Auburn offense. is It, it is hard to to figure out what gives you what gives you the best chance to be the least poor, and that's not a position you want to be in. Hopefully, Auburn and Hugh Freeze will not be in this this position after this season, but it's it's where they are at the moment. So I, I think Hugh Freeze has been confident in his game plans. I don't think he has said that, at least in his pressers, that he has liked the game plans. And, and again, as I mentioned, I didn't think the play calling or the game plan was necessarily poor. I'm just saying this team can't execute it. So if they can't execute it, it doesn't matter how good it is. You've got to run something that these players that you have can execute because what you're doing right now is not working. So I don't know, again, I don't know the solution. That is for Hugh Freeze and Philip Montgomery to figure out. 
but what you're doing is not working. Another question. Is, is Peyton Thorne still the best guy to lead to lead the offense, or is it Robbie Ashford? I, I can't answer that, that question. Again, split opinion. Split opinion across the board on, on who should be the quarterback in, in the Auburn fan base. I've said from, from for the last few weeks, if you freeze decided that, look, we're just going to go full-on running, we're not really going to try to throw the football that much, then, then yeah, Robbie Ashford makes sense. However, I must say, Robbie Ashford can throw the football. He has a good arm. He made a very nice throw over the middle to Brandon Frazier. He ended up with just over 50 yards passing. He can throw the ball. It's the consistency that is not hasn't been there for Robbie Ashford. So, We'll see. I again, do, do if you sit with the offense you're running right now, then yeah, Peyton Thorne's still the best best guy for it. But even he does not fit it perfectly because he doesn't have the ability to make things happen when plays break down. His athleticism is there, his scramble ability is there, and that's nice to have. But even he, and I think even Hugh Freeze would admit, Peyton Thorne isn't the perfect quarterback for the offense they want want to run. But he's the best that they believe they have at this moment. So, I, I don't know. It depends on what Hugh Freeze wants to do for, for who should be at quarterback. It also depends on who, who's the team behind. It, the, it the, team, the team should tell you who should be your quarterback, quite frankly. I think Peyton Thorne won over this team in the preseason. I, I, I do believe that. But does he still have the locker room? I don't know. If he doesn't, then it, then it may be time to, to make a change again. You can have your opinions... I, I I do as well, but it it is. I'm not qualified to to make those decisions. It, you may seem may seem like that's a cop out. It's not. I'm just trying to provide some perspective without going full, you know, scorched earth on on this coaching staff and armchair play, armchair quarterback, and act like I have all the solutions. I don't. I know they're between a rock and a hard place in in that in that room right now, but they get paid a lot of money to figure out how to get out of there. So that that is that is on them to figure out. I just wanted to go through kind of my thoughts on on what I saw in the game and what was the uh, what's the best solution possibly moving forward and examining what the what the strengths are, what the weaknesses are. There's a lot of opinions out there. I struggled to make sure that I wasn't influenced by things I read cuz I led I, I've read a ton of opinions. I've listened to a ton of opinions. Because you're going to find multiple, multiple different sides of the argument. But I wanted to make sure my opinion was just based on what I watched. So again, it, it may be different from yours. You may completely disagree. You may be, have stronger feelings on one thing than another. That is just my opinion on what I saw. And I'm trying always, as I always say, try to bring some perspective to what's going on on the field. And not just, like I said, go scorched earth full full hot hot topic type of segment hot take type of segment so that's what i've got for the recap of the lsu game when we return we will dive in to Ole miss stay tuned to talking tumors on weagle 91.1 so who's going to do what flashlight day inside jordan hare stadium you got lane kiffin and Ole miss coming to play hugh freeze and the auburn tigers there's so many storylines here. I, I mean, I've got chills thinking about it. I cannot wait for this game. This is one that a lot of Auburn fans have had circled 
on their schedule. I'm sure Lane Kiffin has had it circled on his schedule. I'm sure Hugh Freeze has it has had it circled on his. You're talking about Hugh Freeze going up against his former team in Ole Miss with his uh, with his new team. You've got the storyline of Lane Kiffin nearly becoming Auburn's head coach and all the drama that was with him coming to Auburn then not coming to Auburn. You've also got the extra motivation of Hugh Freeze trying to prove that, look, you should have wanted me all along. I should have been your first choice all along over Lane Kiffin. This is, there's so much, uh, so much to talk about here uh, off the field as well as on the field. I, I am I, I'm really looking forward to, to seeing this game play out on, on Saturday night. Of course, you got Alan Green as well, the former athletic director at Auburn, who is now back at Ole Miss. So it, it is going to be really fun. I say all that to say I don't think it matters to the players. Like, yes, they know Hugh Freeze was at Ole Miss at one time. Yes, they probably knew that Lane Kiffin was a, a candidate to be their head coach. It's not going to be extra motivation for them. But for the fans in the stands and for the two head coaches, there will absolutely be some extra motivation this week. So very much looking forward to that. Look, Hugh Freeze talks to the media in about 45 minutes at 11. I'm sure he'll be asked about something about Ole Miss and him uh, coaching there and, and being at Auburn. So I'll be interested to see what he says about that. And, and Lane Kiffin's comments this week, I'm sure, will be extremely interesting as well because he'll be asked again about about Auburn and and what all went down there. I'm not going to go rehash all of that, but it, it it'll be fun to follow the news this this weekend this week on what each coach is saying. But with that being said, let's dive into a breakdown, a preview of this Ole Miss matchup. As always, Ole Miss's offense is very good. They their defense though is has always been the question mark, but it's improved this year. They hired Pete Golding from Alabama. Still not a great defense, but certainly an improved defense. Their offense is averaging thirty five point four points per game. I will say they are more balanced this year between the run and pass. Last year it was a lot more run heavy, and then in the pass with Lane Kiffin, you think a lot more passing. This year they're pretty balanced, hundred averaging a hundred and ninety one yards per game on the ground, 262 through the air. Both of those marks rank inside the top 50 in all of college football. So again, very, very good offensively. Their defense is improved from last year. They're still giving up 27 points per game. But for them, that is an improvement. Auburn's offense getting to 27 points would be would be uh, excellent for this week. I'll just say that. Uh, so hopefully Auburn can meet or exceed the average that this Ole Miss defense is giving up. What I don't like is this Ole Miss defense having 22 sacks this year. That ranks top 10 in the country. That is very, very good. And when you're talking about an Auburn offensive line that hasn't been great in pass protection, that that is something that could be a key to this game, especially with Auburn not needing to take negative plays, especially with Auburn already struggling throwing the football. So that'll be a key I'm sure Ole Miss is already thinking about as they head into this week. Another negative for Auburn, a positive for Ole Miss, is that this defense is holding opponents to just 3.3 yards per rush. That is 25th best in college football. So as as I mentioned, this defense absolutely is improved. Their, their weakness war on defense is in their secondary. Again, doesn't play well for Auburn if those trends hold up. Their opponents are averaging 285 yards through the air. So only averaging 3.3 yards per rush, not good. Averaging 
285 yards through the air, that is good. Not Auburn's strength, though. they rather those things be flipped. they rather Ole Miss's rush defense be the weaker part of their team. However, that is not the case. As for the Rebels' key players, of course, have to start with Ole Miss quarterback Jackson Dart. He is an exceptional QB. Auburn faced the best quarterback it has faced so far this year. With Jaden Daniels last weekend, they'll face the second best they've faced in Jackson Dart. He is not as good as Jaden Daniels, so that's not take anything away from Dart. He is a phenomenal player. That's just high praise for how good of a player Jaden Daniels is. Dart can beat you with his legs. He can beat you with his arm. Auburn absolutely will have to defend both. Similar to how they defended Daniels, I'm sure will be what they use, just hopefully have a little bit higher success rate. Uh, against Dart. Quinchon Judkins, their running back, has not had as good of a year as he had last year in his freshman season. He's been banged up, though, and that's been part of the issue, I think, but he is still a very, very talented running back that will not be easy to stop on the ground. Jordan Watkins is their leading receiver. If you asked Ole Miss fans going into the season if they thought Jordan Watkins would be their, their leading receiver, majority would have probably said no because of the two guys that I'm about to mention, Trey Harris and Zachary Franklin, who are both transfer receivers to the Rebels. But both have struggled at times with injuries, especially Franklin. But Trey Harris has played the last few weeks. Those are going to be tough matchups for this Auburn secondary. They faced a really, really good receiver last week at at LSU. But they're going to face some good ones again this week. DJ James, Nehemiah Pritchett, Kay and Lee, uh, Zion Puckett, Jalen Simpson, they all need to be on their game in the back end. Donovan Kaufman to defend against these Ole Miss receivers. As for their uh, defense, their linebackers have been very solid this year. If you think about it, you're going to stop the run. That usually means you've got pretty good defensive line play and pretty good linebackers. Linebackers that are getting downhill quickly and able to make some tackles. Uh, Ashante Sistrunk has led the way with 37 total tackles. He has two and a half sacks. And then uh, Perkins. Um, has been very good for them as well. Both are linebackers for the Rebels. So this is a good team. They you know, they lost in Tuscaloosa, but besides that, they are still well in the race for the SEC West. Yes, they need Alabama to lose twice, but they're still, they're still alive. They haven't been knocked down. They had a close game against Arkansas before their bye, a game they certainly could have lost. They had the barn burner with LSU. That was a complete shootout. So they only got one loss. Their hopes are still alive. They still have a lot to to play for, a lot in front of them this season. So when you look at this game, you you might think, okay, well, you just said Ole Miss beat LSU. LSU just destroyed Auburn. How in the world does Auburn stand a chance? That's not how college football works. It it you you can't apply that logic. Uh, it, it makes sense, you would think, but it, it doesn't. It, the games are different every single week. It matters where you play your games at, too. It matters the matchups. This game is in Auburn. This game is not in Oxford. It, it, it is in Jordan-Hare Stadium. That plays a, a big role. The Auburn team you saw in Baton Rouge will not be the Auburn team you're going to see on Saturday. I... It is tough to to sit here and say that the offense is going to look completely different. I don't think you're going to see an offense that is just 
incredible on Saturday. I'm not saying that. I am saying you will see a better offense than you saw, I believe that, on Saturday. You'll see a better team than you saw on Saturday at LSU. It is crazy how much home field affects games in college football, especially with Auburn, but with, with in all of college football. The, the, the difference at home and away, I would say, for Auburn is, is nearly double-digit in points. Will that be enough to, to defeat Ole Miss? I don't know. But I, I can tell you this will be a different team. You saw the team against Georgia. The team you saw against Georgia was not the team you saw in Baton Rouge. So the team you saw in Baton Rouge is not going to be the team you see this Saturday. Your hope is that your hope was that you would build on that Georgia game down in Baton Rouge. You make it competitive. You didn't. Everything kind of got thrown out the window that you had tried to build on from that from the Georgia game. Maybe you can get back on track and, and try to get back aligned with how things were with Georgia because you had a lot of things to build on and just were not able to at LSU. So I just want to preface the whole breakdown with that. It's going to be a different team on Saturday. I firmly believe that. So what are the keys to winning? I'm not doing the if the upset were to happen, how to pull off the upset, because I really do think while it would be an upset, it's not like most weeks. I really do think Auburn has a good chance to win this game. But they will have to execute at a high level. What's going to prevail when you talk about the keys offensively for Auburn? Is it going to be Auburn's run defense or Auburn's rushing attack? Last Against LSU, probably the worst week so far Auburn has, ha- Auburn has had rushing on the ground, and they still average 4.1 yards per carry. They just weren't able to find a rushing game consistently. So we'll see what prevails this this weekend. Can they consistently find a running game? As I mentioned in the first segment, I don't know what the offensive game plan identity is going to look like this this weekend. Hugh Freeze mentioned tempo. Auburn found some success on their touchdown drive with Peyton Thorne running tempo. That is not something that this team has done much this year because they've been trying to play their strengths. Their strength has been their defense. Therefore, you don't run much tempo because you don't want to get a, have a quick drive and put your defense back out there. You, you've wanted to maintain time of possession, which I do think is crucial. That's why it's that fine line of, well, but if your offense is more successful running fast, then how do you balance that? That's something that Hugh Freeze and Philip Montgomery have to figure out. You can still control time of possession and run up tempo as long as you're not punting after three plays. That Again, that's the balance you have to figure out. And tempo can work to your advantage if you're less talented because it forces defense have to play more bland, not necessarily get set. So, again, that's something that they'll have to figure out. We'll see if they do that. And if they do that, does that help them in the rushing attack? I think it's going to be key. If Auburn can run for over 200 yards in this game, I really like Auburn's chances. If, if they can't, not so much. How about defensively? Ole Miss offense is going to be hard to stop, just like LSU's was. I think defense will have more success, again, because you're at home. The key, though, is not necessarily stopping them wholesale. The key is getting off the field on third and fourth down. Lane Kiffin likes to go forward a lot. That's why I include fourth down in there. If this defense can get off the field on third and fourth down, that's key. That means forcing punts, forcing turnover on downs, forcing field goals. Bend, but don't break defensively. Third down has to be crucial this this weekend. Again, you're not going to stop them wholesale. They're too good. They're going to get theirs. But limit it. If they, if they finish this game, you know, 
3 for 11 on third down and 0 for 3 on fourth down. That those are kind of stats that would that would give Auburn a chance to win this football game if the defense can do this. So we'll see. You got to get them third down first, but then you got to get them off the field once you do. And then just general keys force their tempo to backfire on them. I mentioned with Auburn's offense, if they start to go up tempo, then that can backfire on you because it puts your defense back out there against a really good offense. That's what you want to do to Ole Miss. Force their tempo to backfire on them. Try to force a, a few quick three and outs and then get the ball and hold on to the ball. Uh, long drives for Auburn will be could be very beneficial. Got to flip that time possession. Auburn lost the time possession against, Ole, uh, against LSU. Need to flip that this weekend against Ole Miss in order to pull out the win. I'll make a final prediction on this in the next segment. So stay tuned. We'll take our second break. And we'll be back with more after this on Weagle 91.1. Hi, I'm Matt Kenseth. You don't have to be a race car driver to know. A message from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. All right, let's dive into this prediction now. I think Auburn wins this game. I do. This is my first bold prediction I made really all season. I've been right the last three weeks. Auburn's been through the gauntlet. We knew that. And when I looked over the schedule to start the season, yeah, I put L's into these last three weeks. I said, I mean, it was Georgia, it was A&M, it was LSU. Yes, you had the bye before LSU, but still. Knew, pretty much knew those were going to be losses. I put those into, if you can go back to listen to my preseason shows, I put, I put those games into expected losses. I put Ole Miss into the, the toss-up realm. Ole Miss should definitely be favored. They're the better team than Auburn. But I believe Auburn will be better on Saturday. I believe Hugh Freeze and Philip Montgomery will have a good plan offensively that plays to the strengths of this team. Again, nothing on, on Saturday will lead you to believe that's going to be the case. And you think, well, they had two weeks to figure out something good. They weren't able to. How, how can they figure out something good in a, a matter of a week? I know, logic is out the door here. I'm just putting the power of Jordan Hare and saying, look, it's, it's, and all the extra motivation here with, with the Ole Miss and, and Auburn blood here. And again, Lane Kiffin's going to have it too, so believe you me, they're coming off a bye, so they should have the advantage in that regard that, that they had, they've had two weeks to get ready for this game. And Lane Kiffin's really going to want to get a win just as much as, as Hugh Freeze because of the offseason. But, but I think Auburn gets it done. I feel like Auburn needs to get to about 30 points to win this game, though. And, and that is what makes it hard for me to predict Auburn, even though I am. Because I think 31 points, that's that's assuming you're holding Ole Miss's offense to less than that. I think if you got up to four touchdowns, you got up to 28, I'm just not sure that's going to be enough against this, this Ole Miss offense. Cause they, Alabama's the only defense that have been able to really to shut them down this year. That was it. And Alabama's defense is phenomenal. Auburn's defense has been good. They are not that good. So I don't think that they can hold, just completely shut down this Ole Miss offense. So Auburn gets to 30, then they win. <laughs> that That is, I don't think many people believe that. I'm not sure I believe that. I just think that Auburn in Jordan-Hare Stadium, coming off three straight losses, 0-3 in SEC play, that they'll pull this one out. If they start 0-4 in the SEC play, it's still not the end of the world. Ole Miss 
is a, like I said, is a better team than Auburn. They should beat Auburn. Lane Kiffin's been there longer. It's fact of the matter, okay? They they should be the better team. Yes, 0-4 in SEC play is a tough look. However, you got to look at the games that are upcoming. Mississippi State, Arkansas, Vanderbilt, SEC games that are yet to be played, minus Alabama after this one, are games that are winnable and should be won, in, in my standard, for, for Auburn. But if they can pull off this one, get a big upset at home, that would that would do a lot for this team, for this program moving forward. But just trying to go ahead and soften the blow a little bit, if a loss happens, it's not the end of the world. It is still year one. I still have plenty of confidence in Hugh Freeze and the way he is building this program. So there's that. But with that being said, as I mentioned, if Auburn's able to execute the, the keys, if they're able to run the ball successfully for over 200 yards, able to get off the field on third and fourth down, then I like Auburn to pull off the win on Saturday. We've got a lot of predictions, so I'm going to go ahead and start early and jump into a few here, then we'll take a break and finish up. But let's start off with an 11 o'clock kick, Penn State at Ohio State. I'm glad this game's at 11 because I'll get to watch it before heading to the stadium for a 6 o'clock kick for Auburn and Ole Miss. So Ohio State has a big win over Notre Dame. Penn State's biggest wins over West Virginia, I, I guess you could say, in week one. I think they beat Illinois, but Illinois is really struggling this season. You've got a super talented quarterback in his second year for Penn State, first year starting, but he's got to go into a tough road environment. That quarterback is Drew Aller, five-star QB from the state of Ohio, biggest recruit, one of the biggest recruits in Penn State history. But man, going into the shoe there in Columbus is going to be tough. Ohio State's defense is also very, very good. Their offense is starting to find its way. Kyle McCord, the new quarterback there for Ohio State, starting to settle in, starting to find some flow there offensively in Columbus. Ohio State, very similar to Alabama. You know, every year you expect them to be in the national championship consideration. You just assume they're going to be dominant. They'll they'll go ahead and run rough shot all the way up until the playoffs. Last couple years, Ohio State has lost to Michigan, but they've still looked really, really good otherwise in the regular season. Well, both Alabama, both Ohio State struggling a little bit more, not looking as impressive in their wins, yet they're still getting getting the job done. Ohio State still got the job done on the road at Notre Dame, their, their only challenge so far. And then for Penn State, like I said, still a lot to be determined here. They feel like they've got the most talented team they've had in a while there. They really like Drew Aller. They have struggled to push it downfield in, in the passing game. They've run the ball really well, though. They've got a really good rushing attack up there. I'm going to go Penn State. I, I'm going with what what I think of this team, and I think really highly of Penn State and what they can be this year. So even though they're on the road, I'm going with Penn State over Ohio State. I just haven't seen enough yet from Kyle McCord and this offense to make me be able to pick them against Penn State this weekend. Again, I think it'll be a low-scoring game because of Ohio State's defense and the way it's playing. But I'm going to go to the road team. I'm going to go Drew Aller and Penn State to pull off what would be a monumental win for James Franklin. Everyone knows Franklin's record and the fact that he has struggled against Ohio State and Michigan during his time at Penn State. I think they get it done, though, this weekend. Then a big matchup in the 
ACC, you've got Duke at Florida State. Duke's still winning, but Riley Leonard is out with an injury. He has not played. He did not play this last week. I do not know his status on Saturday, but is FSU starting to get lulled to sleep a little bit? They played Clemson, got that win. They got the win against LSU. They got Miami coming up a little bit later on in the season. Or are they going to be ready for a Duke team that, under Mike Elko, is playing really, really well? I think they'll be ready for it. I like Florida State in this game. If Riley Leonard can go and he's at full strength, though, Duke can make this one interesting. Uh, They lost to Notre Dame. That's their only loss so far this year. So this one could be interesting, but if Riley Leonard can't go, I do think it'll be tough for Duke. Then Utah at USC. Yeah, I got to talk about USC a little bit. I was right on my prediction last week. I predicted Notre Dame to beat USC, and they absolutely throttled the Trojans. I did not expect that. I thought Notre Dame would win. Did not expect them to just dominate them. Caleb Williams threw three interceptions. He threw three interceptions all of last season, which is an extremely impressive stat. He had a rough game. It was a rough night for, for USC. They, they look really bad, and I felt really dumb because I put them, I had them winning the national championship. I said last week when I predicted Notre Dame, like, obviously I've thrown that out the door. That's not happening. I really thought their defense would, would take a step this year. It did not. It looks like it's gone backwards. Then their, their offense has struggles against a really good Notre Dame defense. Now, though, they get the chance to host Utah. It was always a thorn in their side. Beat them twice last year. Kept them out of the playoffs because of that. Uh, so there's ex- there's there there's that extra motivation. Kim Rising has still yet to play for Utah this year at quarterback. Their their offense is really not good at all without him. So I like USC to get back on track this weekend at home. The extra motivation coming off the loss plus what Utah did to them last season. But Utah's defense can make this interesting. But nonetheless, I still like USC. And I'm sorry that I predicted them to win the national championship preseason. If I could change that now, I certainly uh, would because it's not happening, point blank. How about Clemson at Miami? Speaking of Miami and then playing Florida State later on in the year. Miami, though, coming off two straight losses. I almost picked them last week. I'm glad I didn't. I'm glad I believed in North Carolina that they were a for real team, that they are a for real team, that they're a championship contender because North Carolina got the win against Miami. Again, Miami had the heartbreaking loss to Georgia Tech with the questionable, to, to put it nicely, clock management against Georgia Tech. Well, now they got a real chance of going 0-3 in these next three games. They host Clemson. Everybody's kind of forgotten about Clemson. They, you know, they lost to Florida State. That was kind of it. Dabo's done. But they win. They continue to find ways to win. It's not necessarily pretty. But they're they're figuring some things out up there. But Miami coming off of two straight losses. I still got to go Clemson. I just I, I don't believe in either one of these teams very much. It's not like Miami has a big-time home field advantage. At Hard Rock Stadium, they don't have great fan support. So so the home field advantage is just the fact that Clemson has to travel down there. That's about it. Crowd noise shouldn't be that big of a factor for for the Tigers in this one. So I'm going to go Clemson. I think this one will be a compl- uh, close and competitive game. I think Cade Clubbin, it makes some big plays offensively 
uh, for the Tigers along with Will Shipley at running back. So I'm going to go Clemson over Miami. How about South Carolina at Missouri? We'll do this pick and then we'll go to break. South Carolina at Missouri. There's a real chance that that South Carolina finishes the season three and nine. Shane Beamer, I've been a big fan of his. He's done a great job. He's overachieved really the last couple of years at South Carolina. They don't have a good team this year. Spencer Rattler's a great quarterback, but the team around him is very, very poor. They're playing Missouri who won again this past weekend. I picked Kentucky at home. Missouri beat them. Missouri's only loss came into a in a heartbreaker against LSU. They are literally inches away from still being undefeated. Hats off to Eli Drinkwitz. He was 17-19 and 19 his first, two, uh, first couple of seasons at Missouri. They stuck with him, and it's paying off. They're playing really good football. Nothing you've seen from South Carolina will lead you to believe that they can compete this weekend. They probably will compete. They probably will score some points against Missouri because Missouri's defense is not the best. But offensively, I, I don't see a way in the world that they're slowing down this Missouri offense with Brady Cook and Luther Burden and all the weapons that Missouri has. So I like Mizzou at home over South Carolina, and they're going to keep it rolling and get, I believe, what will be their seventh win and go to 7-1. and one. Again, hats off to Eli Drinkwitz up there. All right, we'll go to our final break here on Talking Tumors on Weagle 91.1. and we- story is our success story. Get started at alabamaworks.com. All right, we got a few more predictions, and then we will roll on out of here. Let's go with Mississippi State at Arkansas. Two bottom drillers in the SEC this season. Mississippi State, really not a very good team. The thing about Arkansas is they played all their games close for the most part. And yet they've had so many close losses. You think of the BYU game, the uh, Alabama game, the LSU game, the Ole Miss game. Even A&M was close for a good while. They they are that close to having a much, much different record. You talk about a terrible schedule. They had four straight games away from Fayetteville. Texas A&M game counted as a home game for them, but that was not in Fayetteville. That was in Texas. So now they host Mississippi State. I'll, of course, be interested in watching this game as we prep for Mississippi State this upcoming uh, next weekend after this Ole Miss game this weekend. I like Arkansas at home. Nothing I've seen so far from Mississippi State leads me to believe they stand a chance, especially on the road, even against an Arkansas team that is not very good. Arkansas still does have K.J. Jefferson and still a pretty solid offense. So I like the Razorbacks to, to pick this one up and maybe build some confidence and and we'll see what the road looks like the rest of the year for Sam Pittman and whether or not he's able to hang on to his job. For Mississippi State, it's a tough year. We all know the with the passing of Mike Leach, they're in a tough spot. Zach Arnett trying to figure out what he wants this program to be under his leadership. So I like Arkansas at home. Then you got Washington State at Oregon. Oregon coming off the loss to Washington. A lot of thoughts on that game. If I was a student at Oregon, that I would that I would share. Uh, uh, on what happened at the end of that with way Dan Lanning approached things and coached that game. But they lost that game in a heartbreaker. Now they have to turn around and face a good Washington State team led by quarterback Cam Ward. This could be a letdown position if they haven't flushed that loss to Washington. But it's your Oregon, you should. You should be able to flush it because you went out, you win the Pac-12, 
you're still making the playoffs. They still got a lot of a lot of head of them. Good chance they still make the like I said, make the Pac-12 championship game if they went out. So still everything I believe is still within their reach and what they want to accomplish this season. They are a very good team. Washington's a very good team. Uh, it it would be fun to see those two play against each other once again this season. So I think they'll respond well. I don't think this is going to be a letdown spot for them this weekend. I like Oregon over Washington State. Then let's close out with Tennessee at Alabama, the third Saturday in October. Last year, Tennessee finally broke the streak. They beat Alabama in Knoxville. It was a party like none other up there. They tore down the goalposts. They threw them into the Tennessee River. This Tennessee team this year is completely different. They, they're coming off a win against Texas A&M. They still are a good team. I don't, they're not as good as they were last year, but they, they also play a completely different style. Their defense is actually pretty good. They have one of the def- best defensive fronts in all the SEC. Who would have thought that? Certainly not me, but former Auburn defensive line coach Rodney Garner is the, is the defensive line coach there, so hats off to him. I really like him. Glad to see that he is having success up there in Knoxville. So their defensive line is really good. They cannot throw the ball this year. I mean, they, they have a really poor passing attack uh, near the level of, of what Auburn's have been this year. So they ha- But they run the ball really well. Sim- similar to Auburn, I think they've run the ball, though, a, a touch better. They were leading, when I mentioned that stat earlier, they were leading the SEC in, in average yards per rush, whereas Auburn was second. So they run the ball well. That's their strength of their team. It's going to be a tough matchup, though, for them. Alabama's defense is very good. I don't know that Tennessee's going to be able to have success just running it and trying to run it down Alabama's throat. I, I really think that will be a struggle for them, and the inability to take the top off the ball will allow a- Alabama to play a little bit differently defensively and really key in on that run game. So if Joe Milton can't hit some some deep passes, could be tough going for the balls. On the flip side, though, you look at Tennessee, they should be able to stop this Alabama run game. The thing is, Alabama has not been able to run the ball well all season, yet they've still been able to win. So this matchup favors Alabama, because Alabama's offense, it really is, and it frustrates me, and also at the same time, you have to tip your hat to them. It's just big plays. It, it literally is. They can't do anything consistently well, but Jalen Milrow can hit some deep passes. They're very, They're very good at that. So the strengths and weaknesses that I talk about often don't really match up well for Tennessee this year. So therefore, I'm picking Alabama. I don't necessarily expect it to be a blowout because, quite frankly, nothing I've seen from Alabama they haven't uh, in these past two years leads you to believe they can really blow anyone out. Yes, I guess they did Mississippi State. Different story. I think I think Tennessee will keep it within two scores. So I think the line's nine. Like Alabama may cover. But I don't think it'll be a, a just a 30-point loss or anything like that this week. I think Tennessee will keep it competitive. But especially with the external motivation of last season as well, playing a role this year for Alabama, they'll want to get back on track in this rivalry game. They'll get the win against Tennessee. We will see what happens Saturday night. Hopefully my bold prediction will pay off and we see a different Auburn team. Again, Hugh Freeze is about to speak to the media. I'll be interested to see what he has to say, I'll be in Birmingham on Wednesday covering SEC basketball tip-off. I'm really looking forward 
to that. So make sure you're following me on social media to see updates. I'm sure I'll have some articles written in the coming days as well. So make sure you're you're checking me out on Instagram and on Twitter at Talking Tumors or X now. And with that, we will wrap up the show. Thank you all for listening to Talking Tumors today. Uh, whether you're listening live or listening on podcast, we will be back next Monday at 10. Thank you for listening to Talking Tumors. Make sure to tune in again next Monday at 10 for another edition. Also, make sure to check out Weagle's 24-hour live stream on WeagleFM.com. And follow us on social media at Weagle underscore AU. War Eagle, and see you next time.